Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Talking Blues podcast. As you can tell from the title of this episode, the main part of this podcast is going to be with a guest, Gary Taphouse. He was actually on the broadcast of the Chelsea versus Southampton match. Uh, That's why we obviously brought him on. It makes sense, right? It it fits somehow. Um, So that's why he's going to be on for most of this podcast. It was a really great talk that Alex and I had with him. And obviously, I just mentioned Alex and I. Because it's just me and Alex for this episode, uh, Peter is not able to join us uh, because actually he has a a pasta party uh, for a match that he has tomorrow uh, for for the high school team. Which you know what, uncommitted. How uncommitted is Peter to this <laughs> podcast? Because you know what, he likes to come on here and unmute himself when I'm not here and be like, Josh, I just want to let you know, Alex was making a joke. He was making a joke that you're uncommitted. Okay, Peter, like, I know it's a joke. It's called, like, I'm trying to, like, feast the pot here. I'm trying to cook the pot. Whatever you want, whatever the word. The, 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 trying to get an invite to the pasta party. Mm, that's not that, that I'm didn't saying. say. That didn't say. Okay, continue. No, it fit. It's not what I'm trying to do. I'm, okay. I'm trying to stir, stir the pot. Stir the pot of pasta. Why do you have to talk about the pasta party? Because you mentioned the pasta party, and now I'm thinking about pasta. Well, anyway, Chelsea are victorious. A 3-1 victory against Southampton. A disallowed goal by Timo Werner. And I really wish Peter was on this podcast only to yell at me about how good Timo Werner was this match because he was very good uh, in the spacing he had in this match, uh, in the goal that was disallowed, in the goal that was actually that actually happened was, an, was a nice goal as well. The Trevor Chalaba header was beautiful on the back of the, of the, uh, the back left uh, uh, post. And then obviously the Chilwell boing, 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 and then finally getting one in goal uh, was something to see as well. And yeah, the red card helped us out, obviously, as we scored two of our biggest goals after the fact. But you know what? I will take it. Another Chelsea victory. Alex, how are you? I'm doing good. I think that's how they should, you know, when when they're like recapping a match real quick, like on, you know, like on Sky Sports, if you're in the UK or uh, here on like NBC or wherever they show the games here. It's just you're like, oh yeah, in the Chelsea in the uh, in the Chelsea versus Southampton game, it's just went boing boing boing, and then Chilwell scored. Like I feel like that would be a really good uh, thing. So maybe they should hire you on there for that. 
I heard a little British accent in the beginning of that. I know. Alex. Well, because I was trying, I was going to do it so that, because, you know, usually the guys on the broadcast are British, right? So well, I was like, you can to- do that. If you're not going to cancel for it, it's okay. I'm not getting canceled. I'm not so, getting canceled. So can we please hear the uh, British impersonation of the same thing? Because <laughs> now I want to hear it. <laughs> oh, for everyone that's from the UK listening, I'm very sorry. And, oh, so it's not going to happen. No, I'm going right now. I'm just preparing oh. myself mentally. All right, I'll go on mute. I'll I'll give you all this. <laughs> no. I'll give you all the space and time you need. And then, and then the chill will go and boing boing boing. <laughs> I literally, by the way, I just heard a boing because you just like hit your head in the mic. I think I just heard boing as you hit your head in your mic from laughter. Oh my god! I'm sorry to everyone that had to hear that. This is the fun we have in the Talking Blues podcast while Peter's not here, by the way. <laughs> this would not Pe- be transpiring <laughs> if, uh, if Peter was here. Peter's no fun, that's why. No. Yeah, Peter's all blah. And by the way, he doesn't listen to this podcast, so he won't hear this. So we're all good. <laughs> good. And anyone well, who does just, listen to- Just kidding. We love Peter. We love Peter. Yeah, we love Peter. Does I love you, Alex. Doesn't mean I'm okay, like, well, not- that's- <laughs> Alex, obviously in a friendly way, okay? Okay. I love you in a friend's way. Friendly way. In a friendly way, thank you. But obviously, I'm going to make fun of you whenever I can, as you know, as you would do to me as well. So you don't have to come out here and be like, oh, we love Peter. Like to, uh, you know, kind of track back on what you're saying. He knows it. But anyway, let's get away from that because we don't need to talk about that. I kind of recapped all the goals for Chelsea. Um, obviously James Ward-Prowse had the penalty. The Timo Werner disallowed goal, actually, we actually get to it in the interview. Um, but listen, the foul with Asby, I just don't think it needs to be called. Um, it was like, I think, uh, what actually Gary said in the interview was it was 16 seconds before the Werner goal happened. 16 seconds. And we're calling that really affected it? Like, I don't know, man. If the ref let it go on for that long, I would say it's a good goal. But whatever, we got the win anyway, and that's not that big of a deal to me. And James Ward-Prowse, same player who actually gets a red and gets sent off, allowing us to have those two goals. Um, and so, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Chelsea sits here, 3-1. And obviously, you know what's even better is that uh, Chelsea sits in first in the Premier League, baby. 16 points. 15 points behind them is Liverpool. Uh, so we set a point ahead of them. Five wins, one draw, one loss. And uh, yeah, so that's where we sit. We are top of the league. I'm very happy about it. Um, obviously, with that draw with Man City and Liverpool there, uh, a banging game, actually, if anyone watched that, uh, with the goals from Mo Salah, from Foden, with Mane, and uh, who was the other score? Did I say De Bruyne already? Um, but yeah. It was a fantastic game, but we don't care about them. Chelsea, 3-1 victors over Southampton. Uh, I thought a lot of different players played well. I'm not going to like... I mean, man of the match is Timo Werner. I don't think we really needed to discuss that. Um, And we saw, I thought, which was interesting, is Lukaku kind of turning into a bit of a distributor, which I like to see that he didn't just want to bat goals for himself, obviously, which I knew he would do, but uh, it's just nice to solidify that. Besides that, I mean, not much. You know, I, I don't. I don't even know what to say. Um, jo- Josh has uh, Timo Werner as his man of the match as well. Um, he did forget to say that, so I will put it in there for him. 
Um, I mean, Chalaba was really great seeing him start again, get a goal uh, in front of the Stanford Bridge faithful. Um, and it was good to see Werner uh, score that goal uh, to put us 2-1 up. And we talked about the uh, the atmosphere when that happened with uh, Gary Taphouse in the interview. So make sure to stay tuned for that because uh, very, very uh, interesting how the place just kind of blew up. Um, obviously, you can kind of see it from TV as well. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Obviously, we're in international break now. Won't have an episode for, you know, till whenever international break ends. Let me see here. So October 16th is Chelsea's next match. I'm more prepared than Alex. So we will have an episode probably next week, if not the week after that. Um, so just stay tuned for that. But yeah, we, we got a little break ourselves. We got some 12 days. Well, when we're recording this 12 days, when you're listening to this, what is it? 11 days rest. So we're going to take it as it goes. And, uh, you know, you'll get a podcast as a preview close to the next match that we have. And with that, we've talked about it so many times. Unless Alex, do you have any other points? No, I have no other points. I was just, I was just, I was just mesmerized by how you had the schedule so organized like that. I didn't even have it open as a window on my computer. By the way, I'm just that. It's on my brain. It's all memorized. It's in your brain. What's funny though is I can't memorize the Spanish terms that I have for a project tomorrow, but I can memorize (laughs) when Chelsea's next matches. Next matches and. Um, for any of you listening, it's supposed to be the number two thing that I mentioned that should be in my head, not the Chelsea match. Um, but anyway, we've, we've kind of previewed this uh, Gary Taphouse interview a little too long and a little too many times for you to wait. So before that, I would like to just, because this will be our outro and the rest will be our interview, please go follow us on Twitter at TalkingBluesPod. That's where all of our coverage is. You can also go check out all the links to this podcast at uh if you type in shipitstudios.com slash talking blues, that's shipitstudios.com slash talking blues. That's all the links to the podcast. I'm at Josh Olo 29 on Twitter, Alex at Anorian23 on Twitter. Um, so just go follow us there and subscribe to the podcast. Drop five stars. We would really appreciate it. And we hope you enjoy this interview with Gary Taphouse. And we will see you when we see you. Uh, I would say next week or the following one after that. But anyway, enjoy. We are back now with a very special guest, Gary Taphouse. He's a football commentator for Sky Sports and Premier League Productions. This past weekend, he was on the call of the Chelsea versus Southampton match. Gary, how are you? Really good, thanks, guys. Yeah, really enjoyed the game on um, on Saturday. It was really eventful, as I'm sure you know. Um, one of the better games I've been at this season, actually. And I've, I just really, really enjoyed the whole atmosphere at Stamford Bridge. I... Um, I was there a fair bit during the uh, horrendous lockdown period. And, you know, you just can't compare going to a full stadium with an empty stadium. It was, uh, it was absolutely brilliant, actually. Really enjoyed it. So I was actually, that's so funny that you mentioned that, um, because that was one of our questions here that I wanted to ask you kind of <laughs> how did COVID uh, affect, you know, your broadcast of the match? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll happily go into that if you like. Um, I mean, from a, from a purely professional perspective, it had its ups and downs because, um, you know, being incredibly selfish, there were times where we were able to have commentary positions where 
Um, in normal times, you couldn't. So they would put us where normally fans were, maybe right on the halfway line, um, at, the, at the very front of the stand. So absolutely brilliant. And, and obviously, it was great for getting in and out of the, of the stadium really quickly with no, you know, no traffic problems. But in all seriousness, you know, no one wants to be working at football with no fans. I mean, it's it's a totally different sport, isn't it, really? Um, it, it felt like football through contractual obligation rather than the joy of sport. So, um, so I can't tell you how relieved we all were in the industry when we found out that it was back to normal for August. Um, I think there were some fears that it might go on a bit longer um, you know, maybe the first couple of months, but thankfully that hasn't happened. Um, and it's been, you know, it's been absolutely brilliant. I think the fans have really appreciated it because it's, it was a long time. It was 18 months, basically, wasn't it? Um, with, with no supporters at all. Maybe there was one or two weeks just before Christmas where some people did, but it was, it was overall, you know, a year and a half with just watching on TV and um, it was a pretty joyless experience, I've got to say. I know, obviously, Chelsea had success um, trophy-wise during that period, but I think if you haven't got fans there to enjoy it with you, it's just not the same. It really isn't. And, um, you know, when Timo Werner's got that goal in 84th minute, whatever it was, um, in fact, I said during the commentary, the roof's come off, and it really felt the whole place was shaking. Um, and you know, I, I could feel that, um, that East stand shaking, uh, and you can see that on the picture, the, the camera sort of shaking, it was absolutely incredible. So, you know, that's what you miss by not having supporters there. So I pray that we don't go back to that ever again, to be perfectly honest, guys. So the difference in the atmosphere, like 18 months ago, let's say, and now how, like, what's the difference? I think there's just, um, there's just this relief that fans are just so grateful to be back. I think, you know, it's something that we took for granted, didn't it? Amongst everything else in life, it's one more thing that we took for granted. And I think, you know, the start of the season, I was there as well for the first game of the season against Palace. And um, there was just this real excitement, um, which you always get on a match day, but it was up another level, you know, they've moved it through the gears. And I think there was just this incredible feeling of relief and joy to be back. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the atmosphere was better than ever. Obviously, it works both ways. If, if, if you're not doing well, the fans are probably even more frustrated. Um, but, when, you know, when things are going your way, um, it can play a huge part. And, you know, obviously I interview managers as well after the game and they've all just said the same thing, that... Um, it feels like a different sport now that the fans are back. So, yeah, I think I think it's better than ever. Obviously, that's not going to last because, you know, we're getting used to life being back to normal and, you know, we'll all settle down again. But for this, um, up to this sort of second international break, I, it really has felt like a novelty to be back in full stadiums and, and it's just been pure joy. Yeah, I mean, it, like... We, we haven't been able to make it over to the UK, obviously, because of like travel restrictions and stuff like that. But yeah. I told Alex, I was like, um, we have to go to, to a Premier League match. He's never been. Or no. Did you have you been to him? No, I have never, never been, been. No, 
Never been it's to a funny. Premier League match. Yeah. We, we both, I think, been to the UK. I've been to London. Uh, I think it was, what was it, like five years ago and just didn't make it to a match. Um, so it's like we, we need to go back, obviously, once the restrictions and everything like that. Um, I want I want to go um, back. Alex and I on this podcast, we kind of like to figure out how you've gotten to this point in your career. Um, so I guess I guess I'll, I'll tell you I'm taking you on a roller coaster of a transition um, and, yeah. and going back to just a question of how did you get into broadcasting at a young age? Well, um, it wasn't that young. I've got to be honest. I mean, initially, I suppose it was because I was at um, I was at university where I live now, actually, in Bournemouth on the south coast. Um, beautiful, beautiful part of the country. If you ever do ever come to the UK, highly recommended. We have the most gorgeous sandy beaches for eight miles. Um, among the top 20 beaches in the world, regularly voted, but that's by the by. Um, and, and they obviously have a football club here. Back when I was at university, it was in the third tier. Um, and, you know, financially, there was a, a time where it looked like they might go completely out of business. Um, and at that time, they employed a local production company to film their home matches and it just so happened that one of the one of my housemates was going out with a guy from that uh, production company, and I overheard him telling someone that um, they were filming the matches, but they were really looking for a commentator because the guy they were using um, wasn't very good. And so I immediately seized that opportunity and said, "Well, you know, that is very much what I want to be doing. I can, can you give me a go?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, sure. Come along next Tuesday. We're, they're playing Bristol Rovers, and and we'll give it a try." And you know, very very basic, just one camera and and me on a microphone plugged in. But that that was how it started for me, and I ended up doing a whole season um, of home games there, and it meant that when I left university, I had. Um, you know, like videotapes, old VHS videotapes. That's how old I am of me commentating um, to matches. And, and it meant that I was able to make that next step. I didn't actually go into broadcasting full time until I was about 25, 26, because it's a long, it's a long old road. You know, you've got to have the experience before you can do it full time professionally. I, I was doing commentating for free at weekends and working on a newspaper during the week um, and actually, after a couple of years of that, I joined the, the Stats People Opta. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them over there, um, the, the Premier League's official statisticians. And it was a very small company at the time, but I was working for them during the week and then commentating for free on a local radio station at the weekend. And eventually, an opportunity came up to work at Chelsea, funnily enough. Um, this is 2001 now, I'm going back to. And I, I worked there for about five or six years full time. So I was very lucky. I got to cover every single game, home and away. That includes the Champions League. We flew with the team. So we went to all those fantastic games against Barcelona when Mourinho was there. We were there in the new camp. Absolutely amazing experience. Me and uh, Kerry Dixon. And, you know, I, I honestly, guys, uh, that was the time of my life because I, um, I didn't have any responsibilities. Um, I, I really was just totally focused on that job. My life was basically Chelsea. I'm not a Chelsea fan, by the way, but <laughs> I was there home and away every single competition. And, you know, it, it was amazing. And, but obviously, Chelsea were very much on the rise at that time. Abramovich had bought the club. Mourinho came along. 
the media interest in the club went through the roof. So I got to know a lot of people working in sports broadcasting. Um, and when the opportunity came up to Sky Sports were actually looking for one or two new commentators. And I was very lucky that some of the guys that I knew from Sky put in a good word for me. And, that, and that's how I got my opportunity. Um, that was 2005. So I've now been doing it, um, working for Sky in the Premier League for, for 16 years. And um, seriously, best job in the world. I wouldn't change it for anything. So in those 15 years, what, what's your favorite match that you've ever called there? Uh, what, what, well, is there one that just has, has all the meaning in the world to you? Yeah, I, well, it's a really, really difficult question because we're talking, it must be getting on for a thousand games. Um, and that's just Premier League. You know, I do other competitions as well. I do FA Cup, League Cup, Champions League. I do Championship. I do lower leagues as well for Sky. So, um, I mean, the one that always springs to mind, I guess, is um, it's not the most glamorous sounding fixture. It was Portsmouth against Reading, and it's still the highest scoring match in Premier League history, 7-4 back in 2007. Um, for a game to have 11 goals, you know, it's, it's certainly, I, I'm not sure it'll ever be repeated. It, it might do, we'll wait and see, but 14 years on, it still hasn't. The most we've got to is 10. And I did that one as well, actually, when Tottenham beat Wigan 9-1. That was an incredible match, simply because it was only 1-0 at half time, And the, the other nine goals all came in the second half. So that was absolutely incredible as well. Um, but yeah, they've, you know, I'm very, very lucky. I've done some amazing games with some memorable goals. I always think of Deli Ali's goal of the season for Tottenham at Crystal Palace. I did that game a few years ago. Um, so yeah, they're the, they're the ones that spring to mind straight away. Um, there's probably others which I should think about, but like I say, we're talking about so many. If I if I add in all the radio games I've done, I mean, it must be over 2,000 matches. So I'm going to forget some for sure. Um, and obviously, I'll never forget being at Bolton to see Chelsea win the title that first time under Mourinho. Um, you know, I was surrounded by people who cover Chelsea um, and had covered them for years. And they were, they were just in tears, grown men just crying because of the emotion of it all. So you never, ever forget that. And I, I was at the the first FA Cup final at the new Wembley um, when Didier Drogba's goal beat Manchester United. Although it wasn't an uh, amazing final, it was incredible to be there um, for that historic occasion. So they're the ones that immediately spring to mind. Of course, and one other while I was at Chelsea, um, which is when, uh, when Chelsea beat Barcelona 4-2 at, at Stamford Bridge. Um, absolutely incredible occasion again Ronaldinho scored that amazing goal but Chelsea just pulverized them um they're, they're the ones that off the top of my head they'd be the ones that I would go go straight to um and you kind of alluded to this so I wanted to bring it up uh with, with your opportunity with talk sports I think you were mentioning on the radio uh you were able to call I think it was multiple world cups how was that experience yeah wow gosh um so yeah, two World Cups and a European Championship. So um, funny enough, the first World Cup I went to was the, the South Africa one in 2010. I wasn't um, I wasn't broadcasting. I was working for uh, for Budweiser. Funnily enough, they were they doing this uh, show um, in Cape Town, and I was there as the as the football expert. 
um, and it was a that was an incredible experience. But then I got to actually commentate on um, the the European Championships in France, the, the World Cup before that in 2014, and then the World Cup 2018. So yeah, that that was brilliant. I mean, I love radio. I I really do. I, I miss it terribly. I don't really have time um, to do much radio anymore. So that is a shame because I really do enjoy it. But unfortunately, or, or fortunately, I should say, I'm, I'm too busy. Um, but I loved all the time I spent um, working in radio. It's an incredible place to um, to work because you have a lot more freedom. You know, you can you can have a bit of um, bit of a laugh that you can't necessarily have in TV. You can go off off topic a bit, and um, I, I think I think maybe radio is a bit more fun. Um, so yeah, that they they were great times. I, I loved I loved doing those big tournaments. I worked with some amazing people as well. I got to commentate with um, some absolute legends, um, including Ray Wilkins, who's who's no longer with us, of course. Um, just the most amazing guy. So um, yeah, great great experience. I was going to ask you uh, because you know, kind of scrolling through Twitter um, and especially through your account where you post the most like beautiful photos of where you're set up uh, for broadcasting matches. Obviously this most recent one I have in front of me with, with the uh, Chelsea match, you got the two monitors on the side, your mic. Um, I think you got a little snack and some tea there as well. I'm sure. <laughs> True. Always. I was, Alex actually was asking uh, about that earlier. Is that, is that a halftime snack? Well, listen guys, I'll let you into a secret because um, <laughs> If we're talking about catering, then Chelsea is at the very top of the Premier League because they really do look after you, even in this sort of post-pandemic era. We're not allowed to all get together in the press room and sit and eat and chat. That's still off limits, Premier League rules. So, But Chelsea have managed to get round it by um, putting everything in little boxes. So you, get, you go into the press room and you have a little box of pasta and a little box of smoked salmon and a little box of brownie and a little box of cake with whipped cream and a little box of sweets, whatever you want, really. And whatever. And then I take it all up to the gantry and can munch away to my heart's content. So that's what you're seeing in that picture. Um, that was, um, I think it was lemon drizzle cake with uh, thick sweetened cream alongside. Um, so, yeah, I was a very, very happy bunny there. No one complains about going to Stamford Bridge when you're working in the media, trust me. So I, I wonder if uh, one kind of, uh, you know, alludes to the other thing and, and going on to my question was, is there a stadium where you just have that view as a broadcaster that you're like, wow, this is my job, you know, like I'm able to, yeah. to do what I love and call football matches. Is there like a stadium where the view is just so like elegant that it's like, wow. Well, in, in many ways, you know, they're all like that. I mean, I'm I'm going to um, because obviously it's the international break this this weekend. I'm actually going to a League Two game, so fourth tier, um, Forest Green against Swindon, and I'm really looking forward to that because it's a stadium I haven't been to, and I'm very interested to see what the view is going to be like. Um, it's probably going to be a lot lower because obviously it's a much much smaller stadium. I've always loved the view at Chelsea. I mean. Um, Back in the old days when I was was working there, they had a, a different gantry where 
you could kind of walk around. It was, uh, it, they're now sort of tables where the seats are anyway. So you kind of have to stay put, but it's an amazing view. I absolutely love the view from um, Fulham. That's where I did my first TV game. So I've always got a soft spot for that. Just up the road from Chelsea, obviously. Um, there are ones I don't particularly like. West Ham. Um, if you're familiar with that stadium from seeing it on TV, it's obviously used to be the Olympic Stadium. So where you sit for commentary, it's a very, very long way back from the pitch. You've got the, the, the area where the running track was around the pitch and then loads and loads of seats before you get to the gantry. So you almost need binoculars to see the pitch. Um, and, and Wembley, I, I absolutely love Wembley, but you are very, very high and very far back from the pitch. So, um, but you know, this, we're talking first world problems, guys, you know, I'm very, very lucky to do what I do and I love going to all these grounds, but yeah, there's obviously certain stadiums where, you know, you've got a better view and when you're basically right above the touchline, looking down over the pitch, that's what you want because then you, you're right there in the action. You can see the players up close. What you don't want to be is, you know, a hundred yards back from the pitch because then you're almost, you're almost better off looking at the TV screen in front of you to see what's going on. So I'm looking at the picture again from uh, what you posted. You you have the two monitors. You have your kind of like notes. What do you use to prepare for the games? What kind of notes do you have? Um, and, and what do you use the monitors for in-game? Okay, so on that picture, you've got one monitor on the left, which is the that's what the, the shots of the director is choosing. That's what the viewer sees. The one on the right is the VAR monitor. So that's what um, the VAR at Stockley Park is watching. Um, and we can also hear the VAR in our ears when he's talking to the referee. So it just gives you a sort of a glimpse into what's going on between the officials. In terms of notes, um, for me, basically the first page is just a few lines because we go on air about 10 minutes before kickoff. So that's a few lines just to chat about with my co-com. We talk about the table, um, how the teams are doing. Um, then the second page is the team news. And I'm sure you've, you've seen that we sort of, it goes by position. So you have a few lines on the goalkeeper, a few lines on the defense, a few lines on the midfield and the strikers and then the subs. So that's the first two pages. I flipped them over. They're gone forever. And then I've just got two pages left. So on the left-hand side is a load of stats about each team and the managers. And on the right-hand side is a few, a few stats on each of the players. I personally don't like to use too many stats. Um, as a viewer, I don't like it when commentators do it. I find it quite annoying. So I try to only use them when they're really relevant or, or eye-opening. Um, but you still got to have them because you just never know what's going to happen in a game. You know, it's very unlikely that um, someone's right back is going to score, but it might be their first goal for four games or for four years. Sorry. You need to know that. So 80% of what you prepare, you'll never use maybe 90%. But unfortunately it's the, the part of the job that we don't like. You've still got to do it. You've still got to be prepared just in case, because you almost have to be ready for every eventuality. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a full day's work that prep. We're very, very lucky with Sky. We have a fantastic team of people who do put together um, stat packs for us. 
um, which I use a lot. I still do my own stuff as well, but it gives a, a really good starting point. Um, and those guys in our stats department do the most amazing job. They really do. We're, uh, we're forever in their debt. Um, but you know, as I say, I still do my own stuff as well. And, and, and obviously social media is a really good place to look for just little tidbits of information. Um, I always like to listen to fans podcasts when I'm covering a game to see what supporters are saying as well. So it's about having that full rounded view of how everyone's feeling about the game rather than just going in with a few stats. And you mentioned the VAR, that's the monitor on your right. Um, yeah. Kind of with that being implemented in the past couple of years, how is that as a broadcaster? Because obviously as a player, you know now to just kind of play on and whatever happens, it's out of your control. As a broadcaster, can is there a point where it's like, you know, it's all sides and you know, it's going to be ruled off in the VAR oh. where your excitement level just, it, it can't pass that point. Oh. And we obviously had that in this match with Timo Werner. Yeah. Well, I had a bit of a sneak preview because I used to cover um, MLS as well for Sky. So obviously uh, Major League Soccer introduced it a couple of years before. So I had a little bit of an idea of how it was going to work. Um, the, slot with the Premier League have used it slightly differently. They, they want to use it. They've tried to use it less. Um, I think they failed, but they tried to. Um, last week, I was at the Watford Newcastle game and... Josh King thought he'd scored. I went big, turned out it was offside. You do feel like a bit of an idiot, I've got to be honest. And as you say, it happened twice in the first half at Stamford Bridge. Um, I don't know what you guys thought about the Timo Werner one that was disallowed. I'm still in sort of two minds about it. Um, I, you know, was it a foul? If it was a foul, it was 18 seconds before the ball went in. Is that too far back to go? Um, I was watching Sky Sports News this morning and they have a, a former referee analysing all these decisions and he generally favours the referee's verdict but even he said that it's a long way to go back I'm surprised they disallowed it and I think if you read between the lines I think even he's thinking come on guys that's a goal you know um, I, th I was just really glad that the, the Timo Werner goal that was allowed um, there was nothing wrong with that because I really did go big on that. <laughs> and, and obviously it was such an important moment in the game. Um, as a commentator, I don't want to be thinking, I don't want to go big on this goal just in case it's disallowed. But I, I think if that starts creeping into your head, then you're going to miss out on some really big moments. So to be honest, I don't think about VAR at all until afterwards because ultimately... You know, with, with the fans celebrating in the ground aren't thinking, oh, VAR. They're just enjoying the moment. And I think that's how I need to be as well. Um, and if you end up looking a bit daft because you've gone big, then then so be it. You know, that's all part of the sport as far as I'm concerned. Um, I don't like seeing goals chalked off for minor things. And I think we've seen that a lot less this season. Um, unfortunately, I've been at games the last two weeks where it has happened. But um I think for me that that first Werner goal probably should have stood. Yeah. I mean, that's what I thought. I, I thought the Asby foul was a little bit too long beforehand, but as a supporter of Chelsea, you know, for him to still get that confidence from getting a goal, it didn't really affect yeah. my mindset after the fact, obviously in the moment I wanted that, that goal. To well, stand. yeah, if it had finished one, one it'd be a different conversation, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, with the third goal, actually, 
obviously that was crazy with, you know, off the post, off the bar, and eventually Ben Chilwell puts it in. How is it kind of like following that? Because you're like not even sure when did it cross the line? Did it cross the line? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, that's a really unusual incident. I don't, yeah. I, I mean, in all the games I've done, I can't remember anything like that happening before where there's three shots in the space of three seconds. And obviously the goal line technology, I mean, it was literally a centimeter over the line, wasn't it? It was really, really close. Um, just on, on a on a human level, I was really pleased for Ben Chilwell because he's obviously, he had a really tough summer with England. He then hasn't got to look him because Marcus Alonso has been playing so well. Um, and then he gets his first opportunity and gives away that penalty. So for him to get that goal, um, you know, he's, uh, I, I was really, really pleased for him. But yeah, crazy incident. Um, my first thought was, actually which one did go in because from my angle it did look like Chilwell's shot had hit the post as well so and actually if you listen to the Chelsea TV commentary they were just behind us they also said that Chilwell's shot had hit the post so it was such an an insane um few seconds it took me a little while to grasp exactly what happened but um but there we go yeah we got there in the end and obviously Timo Werner he scored He's gotten a lot of criticism online, you know, in the media. Do you feel like, you know, obviously we're not there in the stadium. Do you feel like the supporters are behind him, at least in the stadium? Yeah, no, I really, really do. And, it, you know, in many yeah. ways, it reminds me of the, of the Fernando Torres thing um, where, I, you know, the fans were just desperate for him to do well. Um and obviously, he he left Chelsea with his head held high. He won the Champions League and the Europa League and the FA Cup. And Chelsea would not have won the Champions League without Torres. So I think rival fans often forget that. Um, and this Werner situation is a little bit like that. You know, three goals in 33 Premier League games. It's not great, is it? But I think he's got the most assists under um, Tuchel. There's no questioning his work rate, his attitude, his desire to to keep going and and to do well for the team. I think he's got a brilliant mindset, really good attitude. If he could just get more goals, then you know he'd be the perfect striker for Chelsea. I think I read that he's had sixteen goals disallowed in his time at Chelsea. So incredibly unlucky. That was the sixteenth of the weekend. Um, that is that is an extraordinary stat for me. So, yeah, I think the fans are absolutely behind him. Um, I'm not saying he does everything right. He obviously doesn't. But I think if you asked Lukaku, I think he'd say he enjoys playing with him because um, he's always looking for where Lukaku is. And I think, you know, it's pretty obvious from what Tuchel said after the game that he felt that Ziyech and Havertz were underperforming. It wasn't happening for them. Um, Lukaku was far too isolated with them in the team. So he completely changed it, added a bit more pace, and they just looked like a different team, didn't they? So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens after the international break. Will he go with that same um, same pairing either side of Lukaku or will Ziyech and Habits get a look in again? We'll have to wait and see. Gary Taphouse, we thank you so much for joining us. A football commentator, you can catch him on Sky Sports and Premier League Productions. He's also on, twi- on Twitter, at Gary Taphouse. And once again, uh, thank you so much. No worries, guys. Thanks, you. Thank you. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. 
And I'm Jason, and this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.